galaxy lights. Coachella, lightning bolt necklaces. Did you catch all the scandal clues? Last March, one cheating scandal launched a reality TV investigation that generated hundreds of conspiracy theories, thousands of podcast episodes, and millions of dollars in revenue. I'm Jody Walker, host of An American Scandal. Ahead of the Vanderpump Rules premiere, relive the pop culture phenomenon that rocked a reality nation. Starting January 23rd on Ringer Dish. It's the Ringer NBA show presented by FanDuel. The road to the NBA Finals starts now, and FanDuel is the best place to get in on the action. Right now, you can check out the new and improved Quick Bets, which are back and better than ever for the NBA playoffs on FanDuel. Find out what you're looking for faster and easier with more props right at your fingertips. You can check out live bets like three-minute markets and exclusive live bets like quarter player props, player assist combos, and more. So download the app today and bet with FanDuel, official partner of the NBA. The Ringer is committed to responsible gaming. Please visit rg-help.com to learn more about the resources and helplines available. And listen to the end of the episode for additional details. Must be 21 years and older, 18 and older in D.C., and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit rg-help.com. This episode is supported by State Farm. Man, I remember when I first got into a car accident, it was pure frustration because I did not have State Farm. And now that I do have State Farm, it is an exclamation of pure joy. But the only words that you need to remember are, like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. State Farm has options to fit your unique insurance needs, meaning you can talk to your agent to choose the coverage you need, have coverage options to protect the things you value most, file a claim right on the State Farm mobile app, and even reach a real person when you need to talk to someone. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Learn more at statefarm.com. Poppin, Logan Murdoch here, Roger Bell there, Howard Beck in the cut, motherfucking Mondays is upon us. Howard, it's been a while. How you doing, bud? Uh, I'm great. It hasn't been that long. We were off for uh, MLK Day, so I think we, we wrapped it, what, two weeks ago. I saw y'all. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Good, Good to have you back, good. Howard. Good to have you back, Thank bud. you. You know, you know. Anything Anything and, interesting happen in your life? Anything, absolutely anything, nothing. Anything to report? Okay. I All got right. nothing. <laughs> Roger, you good, man? I seen uh I seen a young and got the little offer, so that's tight. Um yeah, it's a cool time of year, man. Like apparently the class of 2026s are are on the clock in the in the football recruiting world. So it's been uh it's been fun. It's been fun. And I'm back at it, bro. I was at the driving range. More importantly, I was at the driving range this morning for the first time in a couple of months. And it, although it was just intermediate iron work, if I do say so myself, it was pre- it was pretty. It was you felt good. I did. I felt pretty good about that. How did you? What, what's better when you send me the video of body in the trunk and you in your backyard shoot jumpers mm. and everyone is going in, or when you're at the driving range? And you, um, what's the better feeling to you these days? Yeah, dri- driving range for sure because it's it's a. I mean, it's something that I haven't mastered. It's something I haven't done in a while. And so when you hit it well, when you're having that day out there and like it, you feel like it's kind of pure off the face and you're hitting the same spot every time, like that was, that was, that's a better feeling just because I've shot so many jump shots. So, sure. Okay. All yeah. right. Speaking of um, questionable shots, mm. let's go to uh, Phoenix, mm. um, where Mr. Kevin Durant. I don't know. Is he acquaintance of the show, friend of the show? I have no idea. But has has waded in himself into the goat discussion um, in a column from actual friend of the show, Dwayne Rankin of the uh, Arizona Republic, um, who did a column on if Kevin Durant is the goat and posed the question to Durant himself, um, who says, "Why shouldn't I be in that discussion?" That's the question you should ask. Why not? What haven't I done? And then to give a reason as to why he is not considered in a GOAT conversations. He said, quote, because I went to the Warriors. 
And I just would like to thank Kevin Durant for uh, giving us a whole segment to work with and dissect and also ultimately uh, discredit. Um, Howard, when you when you heard and saw this quote as a, the historical aficionado we have on this pod, what did you think? How did you how did you feel about this? Is does he have a case, Kevin Durant? Man, I, I listen. It sounds too harsh to just say like, no, of course he doesn't have a case um, because it sounds too dismissive. And he's an incredible player, a great player, a player that I've enjoyed the hell out of watching, covering just his evolution. Um, I didn't mind him going to the Warriors. I don't discredit at all what he did in winning two championships with them as the MVP of both of those finals critically, right? It's one thing to say, oh, coattail riding, which happens sometimes in this league, but he was the finals MVP. He was like, you, you cannot discredit that. Um, and he's a, has an incredible resume. His stats are through the roof. He's one of the greatest scorers we've ever seen. One of the greatest players period we've ever seen. And he will be on every like top 10 list, top of the pyramid type discussions for the rest of time, I believe. But goat is different. Just real quick. When we say goat, when Kevin Durant says goat discussion, are we talking about individual skills? and achievements, or is it about hardware? Because if it's a hardware discussion, like if he wants to put his scoring abilities up against anybody in history, cool. But at some point you have to, like, I know we don't like to do the count the rings thing. It gets too reductive and, and obnoxious, but like Michael Jordan has six rings and five regular season MVPs in addition to all the finals MVPs, right? LeBron, who is usually in this discussion with MJ, has four championships. Four MVPs in the regular season. And LeBron's been to 10 finals. That's a lot of finals. Bill Russell's got 11 championship rings, five MVPs in the regular season. Kareem's got six rings, six MVPs in the regular season. Kevin Durant has two titles and one regular season MVP in addition to the two finals MVPs. Like At some point, it does become a, a bit of a counting game when you're talking about the greatest of all time, when you're talking about the best of the best. And like to put him in that discussion... He just doesn't have the same trophy case. And I I hate that that becomes the thing, but what else are we going to base it on? So that's where I'm at. Yeah, I think that, and Roger, when I first heard of this and I I thought of the questions just to ask when I first saw this article, one of the things that really came to mind is the, the mindset of an athlete, which is, I have to be like, I have to assert my dominance at all times. Right. And I have to, uh, even if it doesn't, even if the thing that I'm about to say isn't necessarily like right, even within the nuance of what I'm, what I'm saying it, athletes have to assert dominance at all times. And I felt that about this quote, right. Where it's something where it's like, when you go on a court right now, Raja, you're immediately thinking, oh, I'm going to bust his ass. I'm going to bust their ass. If you put all those people, even if it's all-time greats, okay, I'm going to bust their ass. I feel like that's what Kevin Durant is thinking to a certain degree. How much do you think of that mindset of what an athlete ultimately feels kind of went into this uh, went into this quote? Um, I mean, yeah, certainly to make it to that level, in in the NBA, you have to have the mentality of I, I am just cold-blooded, right? Like, clearly, he's got that mentality. Most guys that play in the league have that mentality. But when, like, when you said, I, even if I went onto a court right now, I mean, we all, we all have some ability to, like, tap into reality every now and again. So to, when you said that to me, it depends on who I'm playing, right? Like, it would depend on who I'm... <laughs> going out there and playing against whether or not I tell you I would definitively bust their ass or not. And so as it relates kind of to, to KD there, like I think there's some of that going on. And, and I think Howard had a good point. We, we kind of blur the lines between GOAT in terms of overall accomplishment, championships, you know, hardware, and who just had the coldest game. Um, and I think there's some of that going on too. But like, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm a KD stan. I, I, I love this game, bro. I think he's awesome. But you can't, you can't be in the goat conversation and that's not knocking anything at all. 
Like that's just not to diminish anything. Like you, I would put you squarely in um, the tier just below the names that you would put in the goat tier, and 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 I think that's appropriate, just given you know all of the, all of the accolades that Howard just told you, all the other candidates have. Um, you just come up a little short, and that's not to take anything away from the brilliance of your your offense, and for that matter, your ability to defend. Like just yes. a Swiss Army peak, knife. He's of, a, he's a could have been an all time defender at his peak if he no, if he if he focused on that as much as he did on offense. Yeah, I mean, uh, again, because he's such a gifted scorer and he and that size skill combination is so rare. Like we fascinate and kind of just bug out on that. But like he was a, a a phenomenal versatile defender too. And so I can say all that and still tell you he's probably not in the goat conversation for me. And that's and and that's coming from one of his biggest fans. Yeah, and I, and I it's interesting because, and, and Howard, I I, I know, I know uh, can attest to this. Like KD is one of those guys that is, in terms of ability, is one of going to be one of the players that defines his generation, right? And he's it has this weird case where, you know, he went toe to toe with LeBron two years in a row and was better than him. Was better than the greatest player top one or two you can go at it Kevin Durant at the at the NBA's biggest stage went not only went toe-to-toe with him but but played better than him mm-hmm. and that'll do something to like if if you put me and you put me against LeBron and I average 30 something in, in eight and eight I'm gonna think I'm the goat too right like there's I'm gonna at least have that argument to say like oh okay like I can and even before that KD because he's talking when he talks about the goat, he's talking about his place against LeBron. He, that's what he. That's I'm just going to decipher. He doesn't kind of actually say that, but he didn't actually say that in his article. But knowing him as long as I've known him, like his benchmark is LeBron. That's that was his idol at a point in time. That's the person that he has had to look up to in terms of um, you know what, before he got into the league and now as he's playing in his league, it is career is coming to an end. Um, it's it's interesting. And another quote that I wanna that I wanna read is something that actually Katie told me a couple of years ago. And I think this is more of I think his place and this this more illustrates his place in the uh in the conversation as opposed to being the GOAT. I think this this is a bit more accurate thing. So I asked uh we I talked to him in twenty twenty two in Brooklyn. Um, I actually saw Howard on that trip. We had a great we had a great dinner um, did. during that trip in Brooklyn. Uh, but I, I I asked him about just his place overall in in the conversation, and he goes, "I put it like this: If let's say Michael Jordan and LeBron James had to pick, and we were going to play a five on five game, they're picking me. I'm going to be a part of that ten that's playing that game. That's how I feel. That might be a more accurate representation, Roger. When you hear that quote." What do you think? How do you feel about that? I feel like that's a better representation of where he stands in NBA yeah. history than him being the greatest player of all time. And that's no, that is, that is nothing to, you know, put your chin on. That is, that is a bona fide list. And so that is a bona fide error that like a lot of people aren't in. Absolutely. I think that's way more, I think it's way more, a, a way more accurate representation of where he would fall in the, in the overall, you know, greatest of all time debate, right? Like I said, in a tier, like not two tiers below, one tier below the people that I have in the the GOAT conversation, um, th- there sits Kevin Durant. And so when you're talking about taking 10 people, um, I think he can make a very, very, very strong argument for that. And I, I get the LeBron thing. And I trust me, I, I respect the hell out of the, the, the gut feeling of that fuck what you're talking about man i'm i i'm i beat him i'm better than him like i'm i'm with that but at some point you know the numbers are what they are right even with lebron like even if y'all played him a couple times and and all of that like lebron's take 10 10 finals appearances like well i mean you know there are things that are separators at the end of the day and it's unfortunate right because we get into these conversations and because you have to separate like elite talents and elite resumes it always feels like you're you're belittling someone else's career or like marginalizing what they were able to accomplish, and that's just not the case. But you know, we're we're trying to like separate the the most elite from the elite. I mean, it's an incredible like you know what I mean. Like, so you're not trying right. to diminish anyone's resume or what they're capable of or who they are as a player. But I mean, something's got to separate 
you know, the, the greatest of all time from, from those that are just slightly below. Him. This is, this is why the goat discussion is so obnoxious in the first place, right? Because to advocate for LeBron over MJ or to advocate for MJ over LeBron or to advocate for Kareem over both of them as some, I think, especially older NBA players, older NBA journalists, older NBA fans will do. They'll say, no, it's actually, it's Kareem. To advocate for any of those guys means you have to diminish the others. And that sucks because it puts us in a position in these d- debates to diminish guys who are among the greatest we've ever seen at what they do just for the sake of trying to prove why, no, the guy that I like is actually better. That's why I hate the GOAT discussion anyway. And here I am being part of it. And it's not the first and won't be the last time. Um, I get it. It's what we do, right? We got to We're humans. We got to rank everything. We got to debate everything that like it's fine, but. That's where these things get fraught because then the three of us are all spending this time saying, no, I don't think Kevin Durant is the GOAT and having to apologize in essence for our position or at least establish first that we're all huge fans of of him as a player, as a figure in this league, as an all-time great. But if you're going to draw these lines, if we're going to have pyramids and pantheons and GOATs, and this is what happens. I think there's another important data point here, though. Logan, you mentioned the two times they go toe-to-toe and Durant bests LeBron, except they went toe-to-toe in the finals once before and LeBron won the heat over the thunder when you know Durant was still kind of in his relative infancy in this league, although he was already an incredible player at that time, but it was a really young thunder team. A year after that finals, less than a year after that finals, Kevin Durant has a sit down with Lee Jenkins uh, of Sports Illustrated and says, and I think this quote has probably long been forgotten because this is now almost 11 years ago. Hard to believe. This is in 2013. Durant tells Lee Jenkins, quote, I've been second my whole life. I was the second best player in high school. I was the second pick in the draft. I've been second in the MVP voting three times. I came in second in the finals. I'm tired of being second. I'm not going to settle for that. I'm done with it. That's 11 years ago, and that's like multiple accolades and championships and MVPs and everything ago for Kevin Durant. But like I, Logan, to your point about the quote he gave you more recently, a couple of years ago, it's still that same chip on his shoulder, right? And it is. You know what's and it is a lot about, about that? You yeah. know, it's interesting. It's about LeBron. It's also like when I hear stuff like that that I don't want to be second place, and this is what I have to say about that in regards to Durant. And, you know, being around him and also just kind of like just seeing how his journey has has kind of gone post Golden State. You kind of got you, you learned a lot about Kevin and we'll get to his time in Golden State during this segment. But you learned a lot about Kevin during his time in Golden State, about the type of player he is and also the type of person he is. Yeah. On one hand, he'll say, I don't want to be second place, but he defers all the time. He defers in, on every team he has ever been on in terms of personality traits, right? When you when he was in Oklahoma City, he deferred a lot, at least from, and it was a power struggle, but he deferred a lot to Westbrook in terms of yeah. just personality type. When he went to the Warriors, one of the biggest things was, oh yeah, I can be went alongside you guys. And that was a lot of the criticism that he got, right? Then when he went to Brooklyn, Howard, you were there a lot. He deferred a lot to Kyrie on a lot of things, which ended up burning him. And then he comes to Phoenix and you could see it's, I guess he tries to defer to Devin, but Devin looks up to him. So it's kind of hard, right? And then you have to, then there's really no alpha there. And that's where you get these troubles, I think, in Phoenix at this moment. So when he says that, it feels like he's speaking out of both sides of his mouth. I think maybe he wants to be a number one type person, but his actions speak otherwise. So I, I don't know what to say. I don't know what to think. And when I hear those types of quotes, because I see the action and it's otherwise, Howard. Well, let me just throw this part in too, right? I mentioned early on, like, all right, Kevin Durant has one regular season MVP. That's not completely in his uh, you know, control, right? We, the media voters, decide that but you know we do it based on your accomplishments in a season he had a couple of lost seasons one when he was still in oklahoma when he had the three foot surgeries another after the tearing the achilles and that cost him a season and you know then it takes time to get back covid Kyrie, all this other stuff right so but the championships part of it 
when we're talking about the GOAT discussion and we just start counting, all right, who's got the most rings? He's got two. He arguably could have had more if he'd stayed with the Warriors. Um, and he chose to come to Brooklyn. I'll say come to Brooklyn because I'm sitting here in Brooklyn. He chose to come to Brooklyn with Kyrie. He tied his fate to Kyrie. We know how that went. We can talk about if Kevin Durant doesn't have a size 13 foot and the foot on the, the line and all that stuff against the Bucks and all, all that stuff. We can talk about that. You can talk about Harden's injuries, Kyrie. I get it. There's some what ifs to the Brooklyn time, but it, 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 they didn't get where they're supposed to go. And then he, he decides it, it's time to go again. He forces his way to Phoenix. Kevin Durant made some choices along the way here that arguably kept him from adding more championships and maybe other accolades along the way. And, you know, that's part of it too. Um, you know, I, like Michael Jordan played in a different time, of course. A, a lot of the guys we're talking about in the historical discussion played in a time when you didn't leave. But the Bulls had to completely reformat around Michael and Scottie Pippen. Yes, he always had Pippen, and that really matters a lot in this. But the team that won three titles in the early 90s is not the same team that won three titles in the later, not later 90s. And in today's NBA, a player in that same position might have gone, well, this shit's falling apart. Get me out of here. Right? Like, that could have happened. Now, granted, Michael was part of that. He left for a year and a half to go play baseball. But still, if he comes back and the team he comes back to is not suitable to contend for titles, in this era, that superstar might say, I need to go somewhere else. Roger, when you hear, we, we talked a little bit about this with, with Howard just now, but like when you, I can't help but think, like when we talk about the GOAT discussion, in basketball, it's totally different than when we talk about it with football, right? Like, at least in football, it's like, oh, Tom Brady, he's right there. Like, he, he's, and, and I feel like everyone seems to be okay with that. Like, okay, he is the one, right? Hockey, I'm assuming like Wayne Gretzky or some shit, right? He is the one. That's the assumption. When you think about that sport, you think, why is basketball different in that regard? Why are the general, why do you think that generationally it's always different? It feels like in basketball, it is, my goat or my generation, y'all wasn't my OG like, or maybe, you know, you as being my OG, Roger, man, Mike was right. I saw Mike. Mike was the goat. Mike is the goat or uh, Wilt was the goat. Or why is it all so generational and fragmented as opposed to football where it seems like, oh, Tom Brady's right there? Yeah, I mean, that's a good question. I think um, I think you do have that in football to some degree. Like you have people that would tell you like for their money is Joe Montana or or somebody like that. But but Tom Brady just you know, first, I think it's it's also, you know, you differentiate positions in football in a way that the quarterback winds up getting a lot of the attention in a way that basketball, it's just like up for any position on the court. Like there's some of that that goes into it. But from that specific quarterback position, Tom Brady just, I mean, kind of ran away with championships. I mean, I, forgive me if I'm wrong. Like I didn't do the research on football, but like I don't know who has as many championships as Tom Brady to be able to boast that. Um how many teams have as many championships as Tom? Yeah. So, so like now what I would say though is, it, you know, let's say lose someone like Patrick Mahomes, you know, I think we're in a, and because to your point, there's, there's, you know, those, those championships in the NFL don't just stay with the club the way they do sometimes in the NBA. Like you wind up with a lot of dudes with a little taste and you can stack. In, in basketball, when you just have that generational player, like football's got too many players on a team. There are too many things that have to go right organizationally, you know, and from a team standpoint. Um, but like we're in a day and an age now where if Pat Mahomes keeps stacking, like you're going to have the same effect, right? Like you're going to have, you know, a generation of people who have been, been fed Patrick Mahomes since the time they were eight years old, nine years old. and they're going to have a case to make for Pat Mahomes, not unlike, you know, the LeBron fans w with with the Jordan fans. So I, I think it's, you know, it's a, there's a lot that goes into that. That's a big question. I tried my best to, to get through it, but, but you know, positionally, quarterback-centric league, right? Like we're, yeah. to start with. Um, and then he just ran away from people in terms of the championships he was able to win. Yeah. Last part on on the Durant segment. Is the Warriors is like, which is like the elephant in the room, 
for his career, right? And I don't even think it's the elephant in the room because the NBA says it. I think it's more so because it keeps getting brought up. The Warriors keeps getting brought up in his in his journey by him mostly, and you know by other people. Howard, how do you think that relationship is going to ultimately, like, I guess, come to bear? Right? I think that they're they're overall fine, but I think that like. I th- I do think when I hear quotes like this, I do think that that's going to haunt him for a long time. Is the is the fact that his Golden State tenure, one, it was great, it was fruitful, but it's always going to be he's he feels it's probably always going to be used against him. What where do you think? What is the truth in that when it's all said and done? I mean, it it sucks that people are going to hold it against him, and I understand why they do, but I, I just think they're wrong. <laughs> I, I I get why people found it distasteful. I, I get why people look at it a certain way, but I, I just think they're wrong. Kevin Durant deserves all the credit in the world for winning those two championships and for be, winning finals MVP. And I don't want to overstate what I said a few minutes ago about like if he'd only stayed with the Warriors. Like, There's no guarantees that they would have stacked up more championships, but they might have. Like, Who knows? Relationships well, I guess might a better have, question, though, Howard. Yeah. I guess a better question is, though, because he said the reason why is because he went to the Warriors. What is his career if he doesn't go to the Warriors? Well, yes. Yes. That's the bigger yes. question. Yes. Like, what is his career if he stays with Oklahoma City, who was a formidable right. and was also like, I well, think that OKC could have won a couple of titles if he doesn't leave. Well, that's and that's that goes to why people had such distaste, revulsion to his decision. Right. It wasn't just that he left Oklahoma. It's that Oklahoma was at that time the Warriors biggest rival and had just gone toe to toe with them for seven games in the conference finals before the Warriors went to the finals. Like if he had gone somewhere else, remember he was entertaining a bunch of different teams at that time. Like if it's, there's a, there's a lot of fun. What ifs when it comes to Kevin, goes to Boston. if he goes to Boston, if he goes to Boston, okay, he weakens the Warriors biggest rival in the West, Oklahoma, but he doesn't join a team in, 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 in uh, Oakland that had won the championship in 2015. If he goes East now, Maybe we've got Warriors-Celtics facing off in the finals. Who knows? The Celtics have to get through LeBron still, right, during that time. Um, But there's a whole different dynamic that unfolds. And maybe he would have been happy enough there as, you know, he's looked at as riding the coattails in when he goes to the Warriors. He would not have been riding anybody's coattails in Boston. And if they win championships with him as their lead, he gets 100% of the credit potentially no caveats. And he gets that Boston propaganda, <laughs> which is which throws him over the top. <laughs> Substantial, but but he would he would be viewed you know even two championships in Boston as the guy who put them over the top would be viewed as differently probably than the two championships with the Warriors. Fair or not, it would be valued differently. Um, but yeah, there, there's there's a big what if there, or if he'd stayed in Oklahoma as you, as you point out, Logan. I, look, I don't think he and Russ could have stayed together for much longer. Like that, that thing had run its course. And just like with the Warriors, we can sit here. I can sit here and say, well, if he'd stayed with the Warriors, maybe they win, you know, three, four or five. But maybe things had run their course there, too. Right. Like we can't forget all the, the, the tensions there and him and Draymond, you know, going at each other on the sideline. I like, don't know how much longer he would have stayed, Howard. Real, real talk. Yeah. Just knowing we know now, and just knowing their relationship, and knowing what was actually going on through in that last year, don't see it. But I do think to your question, like we know how these things go. Things soften over time. Years from now, when everybody's retired, when Steph's retired, Clay's retired, Draymond's retired, Kevin Durant's retired, whatever, and they're doing like a ten-year, you know, reunion or something on the court pregame before a Warriors game in twenty. 30, wait, when did they win? 2017, 2027. Actually, that's not that far off. Um, maybe it's 10 year anniversary of the second one, 2018, 2028. So in 2028, four years from now, are they all retired and are they all on the court for a reunion? And are they all hugging each other and already thinking warmly about the time they had together and, and forgetting about all the bad stuff? I don't know. Maybe, maybe that one's too soon. Maybe it's the 15 or 20 year anniversary um, of the 2018 title. but. I think they're all going to talk about it, including KD, probably in a much different way once we're down the line. Raja, last question. When you hear the KD rhetoric about the Warriors as someone who played, like, you played in the league, you were out by then, but 
what does that make you feel as a player when you when you hear the the rhetoric that we as a media establishment kind of put on to you know get our ratings up? How do you feel when you when you hear that? Um, <coughs> I mean, that comes with the territory, man. Like, I mean, it can be it can be frustrating at times. I won't front, but it comes with the territory. And I've said before, we do our best to block it out. I mean, point blank, I would say take your ass out there and try to win a championship. You're going to judge it for Rogers like, Phoenix Suns get yeah. the Suns chip. Like, no, but, but, you know, look, I don't begrudge a dude you know how hard it is to win a damn championship, man. You guys are going to judge me ultimately in the GOAT debate on whether or not I win them. This chance, <coughs> rep, this, this represents a chance for me to go ahead and do that. Um, and then you're going to kill me when I take the chance to go ahead and do it. Like, I can't win for losing. So, I, again, I don't have any beef with him. I don't diminish those championships one bit. Golden State was winning, but he added to that. He he was Absolutely. a piece that they did not have. He was something that that they could rely on down the stretch of games for easy buckets um, in an individual capacity that they just did not have a player that could could do that to that degree. And so I don't diminish that in any way, shape, or form. And as far as look, we get it, man. Like you guys, or now we guys are going to sit up here. It's our job. We're going to have opinions on stuff. But, you know, for a dude who was trying to get over the hump and win a championship and knew his legacy was going to be whether or not he won them, um, found an opportunity to do that, added to the collective in a way that allowed him to keep doing that. And then to have that diminished because, because of it, I just, it's like you can't win for losing. So why listen? Yeah. All right. So. Is Kevin Durant the GOAT? Probably not. But is the is he the GOAT of giving us 30-minute segments? Absolutely. Take a break. We're going to talk about how teams should treat their players on the way out. Get in on all the NBA buzzer beaters, ankle breakers, and tomahawk jams with FanDuel, America's number one sports book. Right now, new customers can get 150 in bonus bets guaranteed when you place a $5 bet. If you've been thinking about joining FanDuel, there's no better time to get in on the action. Let's take a look at the games tonight. Bucks, Pistons. I'm going to take the under on that one. Surprise, surprise. Cavs, Magic. Going to take the over. Spurs, Sixers. Going to take the under. Grizzlies, Raptors. I'm going to take vibes. Hornets, Timberwolves, I'm going to take the over on that. Celtics, Mavericks, going to take the under. Bulls, Suns, I don't know what I'm going to take. So visit FanDuel.com backslash Ringer NBA and make your first bet a layup. FanDuel, official partner of the NBA. Must be 21 years and older and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit www.theringer.com backslash RG. $5 pregame money line wager required. First online real money wager only. $10 first deposit required. Bonus issued as non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire seven days after receipts. See terms at sportsbook.fanduel.com. This episode is supported by State Farm. Man, I remember when I first got into a car accident, it was pure frustration because I did not have State Farm. And now that I do have State Farm, it is an exclamation of pure joy. But the only words that you need to remember are, like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. State Farm has options to fit your unique insurance needs, meaning you can talk to your agent to choose the coverage you need, have coverage options to protect the things you value most, file a claim right on the State Farm mobile app, and even reach a real person when you need to talk to someone. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Learn more at statefarm.com. This episode is brought to you by Arby's. It's 3 p.m. and dinner is still hours to come. Maybe lunch didn't quite hit the spot. That's where the new two-for-five-dollar chicken wraps from Arby's come in. Available in ranch, barbecue, and honey mustard. They're perfect for the afternoon snack attack or as an add-on to your meal. Arby's two-for-five-dollar chicken wraps are here for a limited time at participating locations. Visit an Arby's near you or order ahead on the Arby's app. You're listening to Real Ones, and I am Jade. Before every recording, producer Kern does 375 push-ups. That's 33,750 push-ups 
a season. Damn, bruh. You good? And we are back, ladies and gentlemen. I was watching um, some clips from the Udonis Haslam jersey retirement. Tonight, Udonis joins his rightful and earned place on the Miami Heat's forever team. He will be the sixth number retired. All you'll have to do forever is look up to the rafters to remember and appreciate. Udonis, you did it, brother. You did it. And got me to thinking, right? First thing is, why do teams do this shit? Why do teams <laughs> why, why do teams pat themselves on the back? Why do they do it? What's the reasoning? And then I started getting the answers like, oh yeah, they do it for this reason and this reason and this reason and this reason that we're gonna talk about on this on this segment. But I thought about like I thought about I thought about you, Roger, when I was thinking about why do teams do this? And what is the consequence when teams don't celebrate their past and don't do these things? And I thought about, you know, the Phoenix Suns this season, who have I think what Matt Ishbia has done, a, you can say what you want about, you know, his moves on the floor and trying to get put a roster together. But I think in terms of celebrating the past and actually bringing people back to Phoenix, I think he's done a really good job of that. When you think about what Ishbia is doing and what which is what a lot of owners do, um, what do you think? Why why is that important? What what he is doing and by extension, other owners, good owners do and. What is the other side of that when, you know, there's bad ownership and they don't celebrate, you know, the teams of the past and it is, you know, an erosion of, of, of that relationship? Um, well, I mean, look, there are a lot of reasons why it's 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 good to do that. I mean, you know, Sean Marion, for instance, that's a homegrown product for Phoenix, even though we didn't win a championship there, drafted, had great years, multiple all-stars, you know, just one of the more celebrated players you know, in Phoenix Suns history. And uh, I think I talked to him three years ago, two years ago, maybe one of the conversations we had not long after he was on the pod. And he was kind of estranged from the franchise, like didn't feel welcome there. Didn't feel like, you know, he was a part of, of their, of their history in a way that kind of represented what he was able to achieve there. And, you know, you don't want that. You You don't want that kind of relationship with former with former greats in your organization. And then, you know, fans, like the the Valley's got Matrix fans all over the place. Like, sure, there's a new generation of fans that are de-booked people and and whoever else is is their guy, Kevin Durant and stuff now. But like, there's still a bunch of people running around Phoenix repping people like Matrix and Stat and and Steve Nash. And so, you know, you, you, you want as an owner to appeal to everybody, man, the new fans, the old fans, you want to celebrate those teams that were kind of, you know, the, the, some of the better times in an organization, like you haven't won a championship yet. So those teams that were, were just fun and on fire and the league was present every time they played, like those are celebrated times in your franchise's history. And so to, to celebrate those teams and those players, I think is really, really important. And, you know, Matt Ishby and company, even with, with players like myself who, who would never make a ring of honor or anything like that. Like they're in contact with us in a way that shows they care and that they were, you know, that they, they want us around and, you know, like that's your history, right? Like it's in a family. You got to know your history. You got to know where you come from. And so I think that's important even in an organization, even, even if people can't get back all the time and, you know, teams that don't do it, you're always putting on for potential employees and potential free agents and potential, you know, career destinations for these great players. So, you know, teams that don't do it amongst a lot of other things that that they leave their fan base, you know, thirsting for and not getting an opportunity to see some of these all-time greats come back and have them connected and sit in courtside and stuff like that. Like fans love that, but you're also not putting out a great, you know, you're putting on a great uh, uh, show for people who would put, potentially want to come there like if you don't treat your all-time greats you know with some level of reverence and celebrating them at least in some capacity like what will they do to me if i come there and i'm an all-time great right so like there's always that from a franchise perspective in the nba right you're always a possible destination for somebody i think about um a a contract that got a lot of criticism about 10 10 15 years ago and that was uh kobe bryant's extension i know howard remembers that um, when when the Lakers gave him, I don't even remember the number, but it was it was a gargantuan number relative to the cap, 
at that point in time. A lot of criticism that that the Lakers got for that. But one of the things that Jeannie said um, was, or I'm paraphrasing here, was, you know, we take care of our own. And that's going to help in the long run. And I think it did. Like, I don't know. Like, I don't know if LeBron comes to the Lakers. I'm sure he probably finds a way because it was bigger than that. But at least that definitely helped. And what do you think? What do you think of what about that? <laughs> Raja has well, a face. Raja, what do you think? Well, I'm sorry because I know it's Howard's go question, ahead. but no, let no, me just no, say, like, Raja, go, go. go I ahead. don't give a damn what they fucking paid Kobe in his last year. They couldn't pay him enough <laughs> for what he meant to the Lakers, like over his right, career. Right. You, you literally couldn't. You can't compensate him under the rules in the NBA for what he did for that franchise. Period. Point blank. So, so good for them on the back end. Just saying, hey man, like we know no one else really thinks this is a great idea. Because but I feel like fan bases want them to be more cutthroat than it actually is warranted. Like, it's way more nuanced to just saying, hey, yo, Kobe, bounce. Like, kick it rocks. was good. It was, it was kick rocks. Yeah, like, we're going to get somebody else. Like, the messaging that that would... Like, the, what would the messaging of that send to the rest of the league, Howard? If, if, they, if the Lakers are like, you know what, man? It was cool. You tore your Achilles. Bye. Like, okay. <laughs> I mean, in a worst-case scenario, and we know how, how Kobe... You know, we know the, the the kind of energy that he would bring to, to something like this. You know, worst case scenario, if you insult him with the offer, it doesn't matter whether you think it's an insult. It doesn't matter. Well, Kobe, we've got these uh, salary cap mechanics we've got to navigate and we want to. If Kobe just is looking at you from across the table going like, I don't give a fuck. This is what I've done for the franchise. This is what you owe me. And I'm underpaid anyway, relative to what my value would be in a league with no maxes and no salary cap, which is a. a, a Absolutely a point that he and his representation, uh, Rob Palenka, currently the GM, uh, that's exactly what they would say. That's exactly what anybody in that position would say. LeBron, Kevin Durant, Steph Curry, all of them underpaid relative to what their their actual market value would be in a system with no salary cap and no max contracts. So, yeah, in a worst case scenario, Kobe feels insulted, says, screw you. I'm going to go play for the Clippers. Well, I'm going to go play for Pat Riley in the heat. I'm going to go like or if I'm going to be underpaid anyway, I'm going to go take the minimum somewhere. Join another team that's ready to win championships and shove it down your throat. And then you flash forward years later when it was time for LeBron to decide where he's going next after his second turn in Cleveland. And he's looking around. And he's going, well, the Lakers, yeah, storied franchise. But man, the way they did Kobe on the way out. Eh, I, don't, I, don't, I don't like that. I don't like that. I think, I think maybe I'm going to go somewhere else. Or maybe I'll stay in Cleveland. Who knows? Um, so, yes, you have to think of all of those things. I don't think the Lakers were, you know, gaming it out with, oh, some future star, how is it going to look? I think it was more just like they felt the the moral obligation to reward Kobe for all he had done. They knew it was going to mess up their cap. They knew it would hamstring them for his final years, and they did it anyway. And I think it's both a, a, a pro and a con to the times we live in now in NBA media and NBA fandom, where when I first started covering the league, no one knew shit about the salary cap, and it wasn't a constant discussion. Um, it, this shit was arcane and only like Larry Kuhn, who wrote the original salary cap FAQ, um, only Larry Kuhn outside of the NBA, like, there was, by, by the way, not even all teams had capologists of their own at that time. So it's, it's over time. Everybody, including fans have become savvier about this stuff. So now we look at everything through the prism of. Oh, you've mortgaged too many of your draft picks. Oh, you've tied up your cap too much. Oh, you've got too much dead cap from the uh, wave and stretch provision that you did with, uh, you know, uh, you know, Josh Smith or whatever. Like, we're almost too educated. And so it's easy also from a fan or media perspective to take this really cold blooded approach and say, you can't give, say, Kobe Bryant that contract because it's what it's going to do to your cap and forgetting about all the human elements of this. Also, there's some PR elements of it. And also back to the whole honoring your players. Like that is both good messaging, good practice, just uh, uh, good shows of, 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 of uh, loyalty and appreciation. It's also good PR. Fans love that stuff. Fans love when the Suns hold their ring of honor ceremonies or bring back guys. I remember when Donnie Walsh came to run the Knicks after, you know, you know what it had been a disastrous era up to that point. Um, Donnie Walsh was the first one to, to decide we got to start bringing back some of the Knicks alums. And I think in no small part, because it's just the way Donnie was wired, but partially because the Knicks were in a really bad time 
And it's nice to remind your fans of better times sometimes. Um, but also, yeah, it's just good practice to keep your, you know, your greatest players of all time from your franchise. Keep them involved. Bring them back every year or every five years for an anniversary of some sort. Um, and fans love that stuff too. It's fun. Like whether your team's winning or losing, it's, it's not, you know, we, we all love a, some good nostalgia sometimes. All right. Let's get to, um, let's get to some questions. It's time. We're, we're introducing a new, seg- a, a new segment here on Real Ones and Celebration of our edition um, of Howard Motherfucking Beck. We are going to sta- now do, I'm sure there's going to be, um, uh, there's going to be, Sound effects. There's going to be all these things in the coming months when this comes about. But at first, we just have Mr. Kerm, who is going to be giving us our motherfucking mailbag questions every Monday. Um, we'll get a sponsor one time, but as of now, it's sponsored by the streets. Hello, Kerm. You are here. What's going on, bud? What's good, guys? Let's do this shit, man. Let's do it. So, first question we got from Chris Fox. He says, What's good, fellas? I know the Lakers won. You know, we have we don't talk about the Lakers enough here. So I felt like we needed to get something <laughs> in there, you know? Um, he says, What's good, fellas? I know the Lakers won the bubble ring, but overall it seems like the Lakers have fumbled LeBron's time in LA on the court. After going to four straight finals in Cleveland, do we think LeBron made a mistake leaving the Cavs based on how dedicated they were to spending money and putting a great team around him? Also, should the Cavs go the other way with Mitchell and try to add a big piece uh, to be a player in the East? Hmm. Go ahead, Ron. You seem no, very enthusiastic lot. about that one. You no, seem, but you go ahead. You said. No, no, you read that completely wrong. Not, not um, enthusiastic <laughs> about that. No, I don't. I don't know. Look, I. So, I have no real insight on this other than just having read tea leaves and watched body language and. I don't, after the way LeBron was treated the first time he left Cleveland, I don't think he was ever retiring a cat. It's just my personal opinion. I think LeBron was going back because he felt like he owed something to that city and that, and that town. And, you know, once he accomplished that, I, I don't really think he was going to stay there forever. Um, just me though. I mean, I should, he might, he might go back. Who, who the hell knows? Um, the other part of that was what should they do now with with um, with Donovan Mitchell? Essentially, I mean, yes. Yeah, look, I mean, anytime you have, you know, somebody of that level, um, you know, it opens up possibilities. And when you have possibilities, you have to do whatever you can do. Like you can't you can't just keep treading water. So, you know, when you're excited about a young team and that team is, you know, only young for certain amount of time and then their expectations. And so you have to continue to build and continue to find pieces that'll help him get over the hump. And so, you know, the answer to that, I mean, I don't have their whole cap situation and all that, but yeah, like you have to be adding pieces to try to help get Donovan over the hump or try to help, you know, that franchise get over the hump. I'll, I'll answer the parts that Raja uh, didn't. Um, Cause I, I, no, no, I just, no, I mean, Raja handled the Cleveland part. Well, let me, let me just address the idea the first part of his question where it was, have the Lakers fumbled this to an extent? Yes. Should he have stayed in Cleveland? Um, no. And all due respect to all members of that Cavs front office at that time, but the team that LeBron left, the second best player was probably Kevin Love, who was like 29 at the time. J.R. Smith, George Hill, Rodney Hood, Tristan Thompson, Larry Nance Jr., Jeff Green, Jordan Clarkson, and Tay Zizich. Um, no, LeBron was not going to win more championships in Cleveland, most likely. And Anthony Davis was not going to force his way to Cleveland to play with LeBron James because nobody, I'm sorry, Cleveland forces their way to Cleveland. Um, I, I just So that part of it, I'm sorry, l- ludicrous premise. LeBron going to L.A. meant that Anthony Davis would eventually force his way to L.A. and the two of them together can win or contend for titles. Um, But yeah, like they had had a team that was really well built around them the year they won the championship in the bubble. They had shooters and versatile two-way players, three and D guys, and then they got rid of them all. And then they got Russell Westbrook. And then they had to offload Russell Westbrook. And they've been trying to fix it ever since. 
Tears are coming down Kerm's eyes right now. He's just shaking his head so badly. Let's move on. We're doing a little too much talking about this. Let's move on. That's enough. Come on, guys. That's enough. No, I. So, no, but I. I want to add to what Howard's saying though, because did the the question posed is did the Lakers fumble the bag? You got to give LeBron some of that credit for fucking up too, because who was one of the big voices on trying to get Russell Westbrook? It was LeBron James. All right, well, two things. Right or One, wrong. they 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 did win the champ, win a championship. So we can never like when we say fumble the bag, like it's fair to criticize a lot of the stuff they've done, and even LeBron's role in that. But it's also fair to say, hey, by the way, they won a championship, and winning championships, even even a single one, is really really hard. Could they be doing a better job in all the years that they didn't win a championship of putting better players around him? Yeah, no question. Did LeBron play a role in that? Sure, but I'll say what I've said many times on this particular subject. The front office is responsible in the end. You don't have to listen to your stars. I listened to Shaq uh, scream and yell about all kinds of stuff for the seven years I covered him. They didn't give Shaq every player he ever wanted. Sometimes you got to tell your players, even your superstars, no. That's a, that's on the front office. What about the second? The second part of the the question is the Cavs. The Cavs um, should they be doing something to put pieces alongside uh, Donovan Mitchell? The answer is yes. But based on everything we've heard, it's like. It has nothing. He wants to leave. Like he wants to go somewhere. He wants to probably the Knicks. Probably it. It seems like if you think that it's hard, would you have a good idea that the guy that you were uh, trying to build around wants to leave? It's hard to build around that. It's hard to build around that, even when like LeBron is a good example of that. So I don't know. They're kind of in a catch twenty two in this, right? Because they do bring right, Rob. Yeah. No. You you're, you're right, but I mean, you got to take the swing. Yeah, you're not. You don't hit the home runs by not taking the swing. Like you're guaranteeing yourself that, that there's no home run to be hit, right? You take the swing and make it difficult for him to leave. Hey, look what yeah. we just did. Look what we just you got like you. When, you go. You're walking out now. You mean like when they should have traded the uh, draft pick from the Nets to get LeBron more help in his final season? Take the swing. I think he was going back. <laughs> that one. That one. The, I'm telling you, the right was on the wall on that one. They were like. I'm just was, saying there was no swing big enough though. There was no swing. And maybe that's the case. Maybe that is the case. I don't know. I'm not there. I haven't talked to Kobe. <laughs> All right. What's the, what's the next question, Karen? Uh, next question we got is from Colton Cortez. He says, what's up fellas? Longtime fan of the show. Figured I'd slip into the motherfucking Mondays, motherfucking mailbag. I'm sorry. I, I read this before, but I forgot he said that. Um, with recent awesome. additions to New York and Indiana and the Cavs on a six-game win streak, is there a world where the motherfucking Magic make a six seed and motherfucking miss the play-in? Or are they getting left in the rear view? How do they vault upwards in this motherfucking middle tier? I'm sorry. Give me a second. Give me a second. And this motherfucking middle tier of East teams, they currently have the easiest remaining schedule in, in the NBA. Being from uh, uh, North Carolina, I'll spare you from any Hornets questions because of self-care. Cheers, CCC. He just set some kind of record. Like, That's awesome. Even even Logan hasn't said motherfucking that many times in an <laughs> episode of this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> that was awesome. I think Magic have a shot. I liked watching them play. I mean, the t- couple of times that I've watched them play. Howard, have you? How many times have you seen the Magic play? And do you th- do you think that they have a shot? I love Paolo. He's great. I think that they're on the rise. I don't know if this is the year for them, but I think they have a shot. You know, they got off to such a hot start, um, and they do have two like legit stars in, in Paolo and, and Wagner. And they got to such a hot start. They were like hovering in that top four or five range for so long. I think maybe people bought a little too hard into them and said, like, okay, they're here. They've arrived. Like they, they still need to finish out that roster. They, they, I mean, they, they really do need an upgrade at, at point guard. They're one of those teams. They're still on vibes really, right now. They're still on vibes. They're on vibes. And they're young. Yeah. And it's like, they, they don't, it's fine. They, don't, they don't complicate be, it with this. Don't complicate it with all this. Trust me. Cause once yeah, you push the button, it's once yeah. you push the button on being like really, really good, that's when the real pressure comes. Don't do it right now, please. They don't, right, they Rob? don't need to. I'm with that. Yes. Just let them live. Just let, just yeah. let them live. No one's um, getting past the Celtics, Bucks, and Sixers anyway in the East. Yeah, for sure. Because if they do, they're getting swept. Like if the Magic do make it to the motherfucking past the motherfucking mid tier, they're getting swept. It's not happening. It is what it is. 
All right. What's the last question? All right. Last question is from Nigel. He's from Australia. So I'm going to, I'm going to try my best here. Um, long time fan, <laughs> long time well. fan from Australia. Just wondering, has Roger got a sock sponsorship deal for his kids yet? Nigel. Wow. <laughs> I, I really wanted to hear Curb say motherfucking in an Australian accent. I was hoping for that. Motherfucking Mondays. That's my best. <laughs> I, I'm trying, man. I'm trying. That's like my second time ever I've tried an Australian accent. No, <laughs> Nigel, listen, man. It's a, it's a, if, the, if NIL comes to Florida anytime soon, that's the first, that's the first place we're targeting, man. A sock, a sock, uh, a company. We we have a thing now. Like my middle, my my youngest son can fit into my older boy's socks. So like, we have all out sock wars. Like there, I will be down the hall and hear commotion. I'm like, what the fuck is going on? The it only raises to that level if people are beefing on a video game or something. And I'll run in and someone has caught the other one like snaking socks out of his drawer. Those are my socks. I'm like, bro, what in the hell? And no respect for the socks. I know I've done this before. Like, no respect for the socks. You think you take care of the socks because there's such, like, there's appear to be such a limited amount of socks. But, nope. We'll wear them outside. We'll run through the, like, driveway in them. We'll tear holes in them. We don't give a shit. Dad just keeps buying socks. I guess I just answered by what I need to do is stop buying damn socks is what I need to do. I think you need to go to Costco is what you need to do. They, uh, yeah, real talk. Well, we got, I get, <laughs> Dick Sporting Goods has, has, has decent socks. So, like, we... We go there, we buy a couple packs, I hand them out, and I'll be damned. I mean, two weeks later, people are fighting over fucking socks. Do you get the gold toes or no? Because you should probably get the gold toes. The gold toes are the old reliable. They're not the Nike shits, but they they last. Get the gold toes. Stop going to dicks. Uh, yeah, maybe. <laughs> I, don't, I don't know. Where are the gold toes? Where do I get the gold toes at? Amazon, you get them like a 24-pack for fucking $15 or some shit, bro. It's great. <laughs> yeah. You're trying to He's get his kids bullied, man. You got to wear Nike socks. What you mean? You're not going to wear they're Nike. Rogers, they're Raja Bell's nah. kids. They're not getting fucking bullied. They're still fuck- need, also, still another need thing, Nikes. I'm, I'm going to stick up for my guy, Rob. They don't even wear the Nike. They don't want the Nike socks. I'm telling you. They want... Uh, <laughs> there are no Nike socks. What The request is Dick Sporting Goods socks. <laughs> Raja, why... Why have you been disrespected for a long time when it comes to sponsorships and fucking check marks? Are you? Are, do we have another rant on the horizon? How are you feeling on the check marks? I mean, um, we've got we, the Twitter's gotten muscified. I don't think you're getting your. I don't think you're going to get your. Check yeah, mark I'm, there. I'm, not, I'm not worried about. I don't think it's over over there. I've are been you? checked. I've been check mark on Instagram. Man, don't play me like that. Um, <laughs> Stop playing with me, boy. Um, <laughs> what do you have to say to the disrespect, though? The overall disrespect that you have been exhibiting over the last few years in terms of sponsorships tumbling, and fucking check marks. Tumbling, tumbling. But I never rolled like that. Like, those who know me know I was never like that anyway. So it ain't it ain't no thing for me. Like Raja, that. okay. Uh, yes, Raja, you, you are humble, but let's not act like we don't have archival audio footage of you fucking railing against the system because you didn't get a check mark. Well, well because I could prove that I was myself. So like in that space, <laughs> I mean, if if there is a if there is a, a process that one would go through to prove that they are themselves and then get a check mark, if I've done that, I don't understand why I don't get the fucking check mark. Put your personal information on the line. For like this real shit. talk, man. I'm handing out like I'm taking pictures of driver's licenses and shit, and you guys are turning me down. Shame on you. My son clowns me now, though. Dia clowns me because he got more, he's got more followers on on Instagram to me now. So like I get, I get clowned. I'm not even, but he actually talking. trying though. I see what he's doing. He's actually trying to get them. The, you're not trying. You're not doing like, you're not well, trying not. to get followers. It's not, it's not, it's worth a lot of, it's, it's worth not a lot of bread to him, but it's worth, it's worth real dollars. Like, I don't think he even knows that necessarily. Like I'm sure he does somewhere. It's not his main focus necessarily, but like them little dudes, you know, and, 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 and ladies that are out there about to get into college sports, but it's, that represents real money. Yeah. All right. And that represents another episode of Motherfucking Mondays. That is Roger Bell. That is Howard Beck. I am Logan Murdoch. Make sure you check us out on Mondays and Thursdays. And make sure every Monday we're doing this mailbag. Tap into Real Ones Mailbag at gmail.com. We will see you guys on Thursday. Tap in. Ah, all the shits. Bye.
Must be 21 years and older and present in select states. FanDuel is offering online sports wagering in Kansas under an agreement with the Kansas Star Casino LLC. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit FanDuel.com backslash RG in Colorado, Iowa, Kentucky, Michigan, New Jersey, Ohio, Pennsylvania, Illinois, Tennessee, Vermont, and Virginia. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP or text Next Step to 53342 in Arizona, 1-888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org backslash chat in Connecticut, 1-800-9-WITH-IT in Indiana, 1-800-522-4700 or visit KS Gambling Help in Kansas, 1-877-770. Stop in Louisiana, visit mdgamblinghelp.org in Maryland, Visit 1-800-GAMBLER.net in West Virginia or call 1-800-522-4700 in Wyoming. Hope is here. Visit GamblingHelplineMA.org or call 1-800-327-5050 for 24-7 support in Massachusetts or call 1-877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY in New York.